Father, we thank you for allowing us to study this Bible, to learn how to stay current with your Holy Spirit, to learn how to be perfected in the things of God and how to be good, strong Christians. Father, help us to learn from this curriculum that we have written. And Father, help me to teach it and to flow accurately and what you're saying and emphasizing. I call our time blessed here. And Father, it's been my prayer that this curriculum would keep us current with the Spirit of God to show us things we hadn't seen before and further perfect us and root us and ground us in the things of God. Father, I do thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, this is our fourth and final curriculum on how to stay current with God. And so we, we've taught this, we've written it. Number one, somebody asked, you know, Pastor, how do you stay current with what God is doing and saying? But we've written it so that we do stay current. And I think probably the greatest thing we have learned so far, we've had three lessons on it, is that life occurs in seasons, both in the natural and in the spiritual. And I think if you understand that and you can understand it and see it, you won't get discouraged when you go through a lean season and you won't get discouraged when you go through a, maybe a tough season. And then you won't get all arrogant and prideful when you go through a blessed season because you know what? That season will end too. And then you'll be back to a lean season or a season of trials or persecutions. And we've proven that pretty thoroughly so far in the Word. You know, I like to say it this way. We've taught it before. Unfortunately, I actually ran somebody off from the church teaching this. I said, you know, if all you ever are is sad, that's not balanced. And if all you ever are is happy and just giddy and just, you know, goofy-go-lucky, that's not, that's not balanced. And if all you ever are is scared, that's not balanced. And this one individual, I could tell every time I'd make a statement like that, I could tell their heart would tense up because they knew they were going to have to change. Because they knew they were fearful. They knew they were insecure. They knew that I was going, as their pastor, require them to be different and to come up higher. And sometimes people don't like that. But you also need to know that if you're happy all the time, now we're not against being happy all the time. There is a time to mourn. The Bible tells us so. You know, we're, we're almost commanded to mourn at certain things. The Bible says when a brother mourns, we're to mourn with them. When they rejoice, we praise with them. And so sometimes there, there, there can be a false sense of goofiness and a false sense of happiness, and that's not biblical. At the same time, you shouldn't be sad all the time. You shouldn't be fearful all the time. You shouldn't be embarrassed all the time. You shouldn't be bitter all the time. There are seasons for this. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to rejoice, there's a time to mourn, there's a time to weep, and then there's a time to dance. But if all you do is dance, you're a fruitcake. And you need to get some balance in you. So we're learning over this month that there's seasons, and I think if we understand it, we won't freak out if our spiritual flowers aren't in bloom year-round. It's okay. We won't freak out if we don't see squirrels for six months. We need to learn that we have seasons and seasons will help you stay current with God because God emphasizes things you need in those seasons. And again, we're just reviewing here. You know, if it's a spiritual summertime, he's going to be speaking to you to water the grass. Uh, he's going to be speaking to you to fertilize. He's going to be speaking to you to, to wear cooler clothing. But if it's a spiritual winter, he's going to say, hey, get the sled dogs out. Hey, build an igloo. Hey, you need to put warm clothes on. Hey, you, you, you need to be careful. Turn the heat up. And so if you can recognize the seasons that you're in, you'll know what to do and what not to do. We were at a, a, a service about a year or two ago. A great man of God was ministering, and we took a bunch of folks with us. It was at another church an hour or two from here. And the whole service, it was just, Brother Hagen said it was like washing your feet with your socks on. It was just like, wow. 
and the word was being taught. And the message specifically was, if God will clothe birds, he'll clothe you. And if God will feed the lilies, he'll feed you. And it was a, it was a message on prosperity. We're not against that. And uh, I was like, whoa, whoa. And everybody was excited and hooping and hollering. And, and we, my wife and I were sitting on the front row and everybody around us is excited. And I'm just sitting there going, there's nothing to be excited about here. I'm sorry. And we got in the car to come home and everybody said, Pastor, what, what was wrong with that? And I said, real easy. That's not what the Spirit of God is saying today. It was word. There wasn't a bit of heresy in it. There wasn't a bit of bad teaching in it. But it was not what the Spirit of God was saying in that hour. And I told him, I said, that was, that, had been, that was exactly what God was saying eight years ago, ten years ago. But it's not what the Spirit of God is saying today. It's not the emphasis of the Spirit. It's not the season. And what kind of hurt my heart a little bit was to think everybody in that service, except for maybe a few of us, they all thought it was awesome. They were just opening up their mouth like little birdies and eating it. And gobble, 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 gobble. But, you know, some of our folks, not all of us, we're not that spiritual, but some of our folks could pick up something wasn't right about the service. And it wasn't blasphemy. It wasn't heresy. It just wasn't the season. You know, they're planting daylilies out there when there's five feet of snow on the ground. It just, yeah, you can plant daylilies if you want to, but it just don't fit. And so we've got to stay current with the Spirit of God so we can pick up on things, so we can know what's going on. Christian television, I harp on a lot. All they're into right now is money and healing, money and healing, money and healing. Some of the biggest ministries in the land, they are out of season with God because all they're emphasizing is money and healing, money and healing, when that's not the emphasis of God right now. Right now, God is emphasizing His people get clean. He's emphasizing his people get into a local church. You don't see any of those big faith prosperity gurus teaching people to go to church. You don't see any of them teaching the people you need a pastor. And I really think they could do the church, the body of Christ, a tremendous service if they would use their worldwide influence among millions of peoples and $100 million a year to tell local Christians, you need to go to church. You need to go to church. So they're out of season with God. What they're teaching is the Bible, yes. Does it benefit them? Yes. Is it helping the Christian? No, because they're out of season. And so if we know what's going on, if we're sensitive and in season with God, we'll be able to pick up what's going on. We'll be able to pick up what's not going on and we'll know where, what to listen to, what not to listen to. You know, if, if a minister consistently was out of season, I'd stop listening to him because they're not helping me. They're always giving me information that's three seasons out of date. And I don't need that. That time is too short. Seasons are changing too quick now that we don't need to be out of season even by one season. We, we need to be right in phase with what the Spirit of God is doing and saying. And uh, it, it breaks my heart, honestly. It, it frustrates me as a local pastor to see these great evangelists, these great prophets on television a hundred times a week and they never once tell Christians to go to church. Of course not. Because if you go to church, your money stays in the local church and their money goes down. They can't afford to tell you the truth anymore, though they tell you some truth. So that's my ranting and raving. Let's look at our curriculum here. We're calling this lesson, lesson four, Are You a Well-Rounded Christian? Now, what does that have to do with staying current with the Spirit of God? Let's look. In this, the last of the last days, it is now more critical than ever that we stay current with our God and Savior. Over the past 20 years, and I do that because that's about the time frame I've been serving God, over the last 20 years, many Christians have walked with God, and some still do. We must make sure that we stay right in step with God with everything He is doing in the earth. 
This curriculum has been designed to help you understand spiritual seasons and how you can keep or how, how we can keep our faith ever growing and as dynamic as God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is very dynamic. He's always shifting, changing. He doesn't change. Don't misunderstand me. But this morning we're in a Sunday school. In service, the Spirit of God will shift. We'll teach something different. Uh, next week, Daniel Groves comes to town. The Spirit of God will be different. But he doesn't change. He's dynamic and so is your faith. Sometimes your faith is for healing. Sometimes your faith is for salvation. Sometimes your faith is to get the victory over depression. Sometimes your faith is just to get up and come to church. Your faith has got to be dynamic and it's got to know what tool to use when something is broken in your life. And if you stay current with God, you'll be able to figure out, hey, you know what, I need to use this tool. You know what, I need to use that tool. Hey, what's this tool for? Sometimes there's spiritual tools you pick up and you're like, I don't even know what that is. My, my father-in-law, you have to understand my father-in-law, he is quite a collector of stuff. And I was over at his house around Christmas. He said, hey, let me show you this cool stuff I got. And uh, it was a bunch of tools I had never seen before. And I said, what is this? He said, these are tools to work on helicopters. And I said, how did you get them? He said, uh, this guy I know who knows a guy who's down at the scrapyard. Somebody comes in from the army base with tools that they use once and throw away. And he just saved them. And I said, let me have some. So there's all these weird tools that are designed for nothing but working on helicopters. That might be a spiritual tool. You look up this thing and it, it does this number and rotates. And you don't know what it is. So for you, it's junk. But if you stay in current season with God, he'll show you what you need to do in the proper timing and it'll work for you. The well-rounded Christian. One of the first keys that we must understand is that the Spirit of God never changes, but what he is emphasizing is always changing. If you walk with God and live a Spirit-filled life, he will always be shaping and molding you. We can think of ourselves as rough stones that the Lord would like to polish into smooth spheres. As fear must be polished on all its sides, not just one or two. Sometimes we just like to stay a rough cobble or boulder or rock. But what you need to understand is the Lord wants to polish you all the way around. And when you to polish, that's one of the hardest things anybody can do in terms of geology or rock stuff is to polish a perfectly round sphere because you have to polish it all the way around and make it even all the way around. And there's even calculations for how many sides there are to a sphere, which is infinite, but you've got to start to polish this thing down. What we like to do is emphasize one or two things in our life. And that doesn't make us well-rounded. That makes us two-sided or flat, or it makes you a flat tire. So you roll, ka-clunk, <laughs> and then you're in a rut, and then you roll, ka-clunk. But, and this is the caveman, if he had a tire, you know, it'd be flat. You'd have to do a lot of chiseling and you'd go from a 20-inch dub to a nice, you know, 12-inch wheel because you'd have to round the thing off. God wants you well-rounded. And you've got to allow him to touch every aspect in every area of your life. If you, I, I wanted to kind of come up with some graphics. I didn't have a chance to do it. You take like a cube. It's got six sides. I may be inaccurate here, but I'm going to make up a word and you won't know any better. So just say, wow. If you then take the corners, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Cut those guys off. Now you've just added eight more sides plus the six. That should be a rhombic dodecahedron. That's where I may not be accurate. This is mineralogy coming out. Now you have corners everywhere else. Now you take those and you cut those. You have just added a lot more corners. Tetragonal trist octahedral. 
That is the geodesic shape that has the most planes of crystal symmetry in the world, and it's how a diamond naturally forms. There's actually 32 planes of crystal symmetry, and it's nearly round. It's kind of got some pointed edges, but see, that's the thing is you might be square. You might be cubed, and you got to let the Lord come along and cut your corners off. And then you're like, ooh, I'm a rhombodecahedron. Praise the Lord. He said, not good enough. I want to make you a diamond. So then he starts hitting these other corners and then more corners. And before long, he begins to round you in every aspect. You know, you might have healing down. You might have forgiveness down. But what about finances? What about laziness? What about organization? What about prayer time? What about Bible time? What about parenting? What about faithfulness? You, you might be good at singing. But are you good at Bible study? See, he, he's wanting to round you. So that's why we're asking this question, are you well-rounded? Because I'm going to show you how to get well-rounded. And by staying well-rounded, you will automatically be in season with God because he will say, doo, 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 doo. it's the season to work on forgiveness. Oh, man, I want to stay over here in healing where I have a strong faith. You don't need any more. You need to work on forgiveness. That's how this thing works. A sphere must be polished on all its sides, not just one or two. Staying current with God will allow him to work on all your sides. And the Bible exhorts us to be well-rounded. Let's look at some scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 1, 5 and 7. I skip verse 6. That in everything you are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, so that you come behind in no gift, that's the word charisma or grace endowment, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. That grace he was referring to was the grace of financial giving to support the gospel. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Notice how many times it says every, all, every, all, every, all. That's well-rounded. He didn't just say, you abound in two things, great for you. You're an expert at four things in the things of God. Excuse me. He said, I want you to abound in everything. He said, you, you're pretty there in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. He says, you abound in everything, but not really because he said you lack the financial giving aspect. Some of us, we, we still steal the tithe. We're still robbers. We're faithful to church, but we don't tithe. Some of us, we're really good givers. We give great offerings, but we don't know how to serve in the local church. Thank God for your faithfulness, but we need your offerings too. Thank God for your offerings, but we'd like you to show up and work around here too. So see, the Lord wants you to stay well-rounded. And if you'll stay with God, more than staying current with what the Spirit of God is doing in the earth universal today, He keeps you well-rounded. That's the more important. Because I know the heart of the question that was asked to me is, we don't want to miss the next move of God. Well, who cares about the next move of God if you're missing the little moves of God in your life every day? Because the little moves of God, every day He's going to deal with you about another corner, He's going to deal with you about another attitude. He's going to deal with you about another way of thinking. He's going to deal with you about another paycheck. He's going to deal with you about another decision. See, and if you can stay current with God in these little moves, you don't have to worry about the worldwide move of God. Is it going to be a healing revival? Is it going to be a revival of the gifts of the Spirit? Is it going to be a revival of prosperity, world mission, salvation? What is it? What is it? Oh, calm down. Stay current with God in your personal life. And you'll automatically just be caught up in the next move of God. Because you're faithful from day to day to day. You'll be faithful in the next big move that comes in a month, a year, or five years from now.
These verses exhort us to be well-rounded in our Christian walk. We are not to just emphasize one or two things in our life, but all things that pertain unto life and godliness. According to these verses, some of the areas we should be abounding in include all utterance. That is how you speak and communicate in a godly way. If you still slip and cuss, you need to work on that polished corner in your life. If you still like a dirty joke or two, you need to work on that. Utterance is how you speak, how you communicate. Are you still brash and yell at your husband, yell at your wife, yell at your kids? You should work on this. You should be abounding in your utterances. Do you still get emotional and you, you know, shoot from the hip and growl and gripe and rah, rah? Or, or do you sulk and maybe you're not a good communicator? Have we ever thought about that? Maybe in some marriages there's not enough communication. You need to abound in utterance. You know, some Christians are too quiet. That, that means you should abound in utterance. So you, that's an area to work on. How about the next one? All knowledge. Uh, your knowledge of God and His Word. You need to be abounding in knowledge. And, uh, you know, not just Discovery Channel, not just Nat Geo, not just becoming a sofa scientist. There's nothing worse than a sofa scientist. I think I told the story. I went to a gas station one time, and the guy behind the gas station counter wanted to engage me in a discussion of geology because he had, he had watched Nat Geo. And I just thought, yeah, all right, cool. Can I get my Slurpee now? <laughs> Actually, I think I was getting a, um, uh, a cappuccino, a frozen cappuccino, which is awesome. It's of God. They don't have them around here. Now I'm digressing, and I didn't have my morning coffee, so I'm going to have to drink a cup, cup, a quick cup in between Sunday school and regular service. Now I'm ruining myself. I need to go on and read here. Faith. We need to abound in faith. Faith in God and His Word. We can always increase more faith. Faithfulness. You know, you might have strong faith to evangelize, but do you have faith to forgive your hurt? You may have faith for prosperity, but do you have faith to come into the helps ministry? You may have faith for helpless ministry, but are you faithful to, uh, I don't know, study your Bible every day? It takes faith to do all these things. You might be the best prayer warrior there is, but you haven't really studied the Gospels in five years. So thank God for your prayer time, but let's get your, your, your Bible time up to speed too. Or for me, I tell you, just tell off myself, I have always been a student of the Word. And unfortunately, I will probably get to heaven, and if things don't change in the last half of my life, I will probably have spent five hours to one in Word over prayer. It's just, it's just one of those things I do. I am just more of a word man, but I must make myself more of a prayer man. Now I pray at least one hour a day, and I still probably spend more time in the word than I do in prayer. And that's just how it is, unfortunately. So I got to try to work on my prayer time more. Some of you, you're more given to prayer because you just, it's just easier for you, but you need to work on your Bible time too. Some of you need to work on your faith to evangelize and win souls. Some of you need to work on your financial giving or just your financial stewardship. So see, faith covers many things. It's not just believing God to raise the dead. No, we don't need that. Right now, the thing that's dead in your life is your prayer time or your Bible time or your parenting skills. Raise that dead first. Then you can worry about somebody who's dead on the street, been hit by a car. Diligence. You need to abound in diligence. A consistently pure Christian walk, no quitting. There's no quitting. You need to get no quit in you and get the quit out of you. It's okay to wobble for a day or two, but if you're not starting to straighten up your wobble after two days, you need some help. This is not the time to be quitting in. You need to have diligence about you. Every Christian has been given God on the inside, and God doesn't quit. And even Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And when the storms came, he didn't freak out. In fact, he was sleeping. 
and the boat was taken on water. I'm almost convinced if it was nothing but like the mast of that ship making to the other side, they'd have made it to the other side. It'd have been part submarine, part glass bottom boat, part Jesus awake in the water, but they'd have made it because he said so. And he said, you're going to make it, so no quitting. Uh, financial giving, that's one of the things he said there in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. You need to abound in that. Because again, our subject's being a well-rounded Christian. It's tithes and offerings, every good work. That includes everything not mentioned. Evangelism helps ministry, bearing one another's burdens. How about this? How about you not be a social recluse, but you actually come and fellowship with the saints? Some Christians don't fellowship with the saints. They come to a service and then they scurry home again. Well, go home, but come back and hang out with this. This is not just a place to come and be entertained for three hours a week, but our fellowship is with one another. Our fellowship's in the light. So we need, that's good works too, to hang out. What, what's our next one? Keys to being well-rounded. Study the Bible. So the first one we've got talked about there, uh, you know, that was talk about the, how, how we need to be well-rounded. Now we're looking at keys to being well-rounded. The best way, or we say one of the ways to be well-rounded is to study the Bible. How else will you know where you have edges in your life except that you look in the Word and it says, don't be haughty. And you realize, Lord, I'm haughty. And then you realize, Lord, I don't even know what haughty means. Let me go look it up. Prideful. Oh, that's me. I'm arrogant. And now you realize, you know what? I need to get better. You know what, Lord? I, I'm embarrassed easily. I need to fix that. You know what, Lord? I want to quit easily. I need to fix that. Studying the Bible gives you the blueprint that you compare your life to. You, you know, you... When you're building something, this doesn't seem to fit. You go back to the blueprint. Oh, that's why it doesn't fit. That's part Q, and I'm using part F. And maybe that's what's wrong with you. You're trying to get Q to fit into D, but F fits into D, and everything's just queued up. So we got to fix these things. The Bible has much to say about many topics. It does not just emphasize one doctrine, one topic, or one facet of God. Any Christian that settles on only one biblical subject in his or her studies will become unbalanced in their Christian walk. We see this. We call it denominationalism. Some may emphasize nothing but water baptism. Hey, there's a lot more than just getting wet. Some emphasize nothing but tongues. Hey, praise God for tongues and water baptism, but there's a lot more than just speaking in tongues. Some emphasize getting saved every service. Thank God for getting saved, but you know, you only get saved once, then we got to raise you up. Some emphasize nothing but world missions. Praise God for it, but there's more than world missions. There's local missions. Some emphasize nothing but praise and worship. Thank God for it, but there's more than just praise and worship. Some emphasize nothing but the prophetic. Ooh, thank God for the prophetic. But there's a lot more. You can't prophesy 24-7. You got to be discipled and disciplined. There's helps ministry. There's more than just the prophetic. So any Christian that just focuses in one rut gets out of balance. They're not current with God. If you stay current with God as you study the Bible, certain things you study dry up. Certain things get moist. And you're like, I need to study that now. And as I've taught you guys as your pastor, when I'm preaching and something I say absolutely turns your life upside down, yanks you inside out, your heart drops, your skin goes flush and you start sweating, that's your new subject for the next month to study. He said that thing about guile and I went all hot and flustered. I reckon I should study guile. He talked about lesbian wives again and I wanted to choke them. Mm, that's a sign from heaven. Don't need a burning bush. I'm burning as it is. See, that becomes what you study. Don't go back and study prophecy again or worship again or prayer again. You got enough in you. you know, where you're working and missing it is you're a goofy lesbian and you need to fix that. See, the word will keep you current. I've told you one of the times I got the most convicted 
the Lord had me reading through Proverbs. And uh, I was reading one proverb a week. So if it took me, you know, 31 weeks to get through Proverbs because I would read Proverbs 1 probably 20 times a day for the whole week. Then the next week, Proverbs 2, 20, 30 times a day. And I got to the proverb where it says, The bread of deceit is sweet, but in the end his mouth shall be filled with gravel. And it absolutely wore me out because the Lord dealt with me that I had a propensity to exaggerate and embellish. Wasn't all out lying, but instead of saying, you know what, well, you know, we went rappelling and it was a hundred foot cliff. I'd say we went rappelling and it was like at least 200 feet. And then the Lord worked me over and I was like, Lord, I don't want my mouth full of gravel. I like my teeth. But see, lying at first is sweet and tastes good, but in the end it destroys you. And so that was a scripture that wore me out. So I had to begin to find scriptures on lying and begin to speak them. Lord, and that's when I began to get revelation on guile and what guile meant and how guile is only telling the part of the story that makes you look good and only going to somebody and telling them the half. It's what your children do. Uh, Daddy, can I do this? Did you ask your mama? Yeah, she said, ask you. That's guile. And you learn it when you're four. And some of you are 44 and you still do it. And you come to pastor and you say, can I do this? Sure, I don't realize you just went to your department head and they said no. So now you've got me in your sin, undermining authority. So anyway, so I got worked over with this whole mouthful of gravel and you should too because you don't want a mouthful of gravel. But the word will do this for you. It will convict you. It will show you things and you're constantly looking for new corners to chisel and polish and get better. And if you can do this on a daily basis and in a weekly basis, you're automatically current with the spirit of God. Because God's number one concern is not this worldwide move that he's going to emphasize or that he is emphasizing. His concern is you on a daily basis. And if he can talk to you on a daily basis about you, the next big move of God will be no problem for him because you're already hooked up with him. But if he can't touch you and all you want to emphasize is prophecy or if all you want to emphasize is worship or if all you want to emphasize is evangelism, you know, you're a one-trick pony. And there's a lot more than that in the kingdom. Thank God for all of them. We want all of them. We need all of them. But there's a lot more than just one or two things that we want to pioneer and perfect and just, you know, it's the only thing you got. Just on a side thought, you know, I think about these extreme sports like snowboarding and uh, uh, motocross and, and, and now even snowmobiling. Those guys constantly push the envelope to get better and better and better. And the tricks that were groundbreaking 10 years ago the five-year-olds do today. And the tricks on the snowboard half-pipe, you know, eight-year-olds do that. And this is going to make you laugh. Even yo-yo competitions. You ought to get on YouTube and check out professional yo-yo competitions. The things they do makes <coughs> Smothers Brothers Yo-Yo Man look like, I don't know, immature, amateur. Because they're con even in yo-yo competitions, they're constantly pushing the envelope. Yet we, we want to stay in our little groove. Nope, nope, I, I'm just a prayer warrior. That's all I do. How about you tell somebody about Jesus? Nope, I just supply the gospel with finances. How about you come help us build the church? No, all I do is study the Bible. Well, how about you come vacuum for us? How about you learn how to forgive that father you don't like? See, there's more than just whatever little trick we've pioneered. Any Christian that settles on only one biblical subject 
in his or her studies will become unbalanced in their Christian walk. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, plural, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through the lust. Second Peter 1.19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and day star rise in your hearts. Here we see great and precious promises, plural, not one promise, but many promises. And it takes these many promises to make us partakers of the divine nature. If all you do as a Christian is partake of one promise, you don't have the fullness of the divine nature. You got this one little section that's divine. It's like your clothes are made out of grass except for one little thread of silk. Or you're, you know, you're made out of burlap. And you should wear burlap sometime. It's not very comfortable. And honestly, your flesh nature and the way you live is like burlap on you. You're not comfortable. And what you've got to begin to do is to get into the Word of God and begin to replace threads of burlap in your life with threads of silk or at the very least 400 thread count Egyptian cotton because those things feel pretty good too. But for some reason, we get excited because we have two threads of silk in our burlap robe. And we're just so proud of those threads of silk. But nobody can see it and nobody can feel it. Not even you. You're fooling yourself that you're going somewhere. When all you got is two threads of silk and a whole bag of burlap? No, you got to get back into the Word. Lord, oh, what's, this, what's this thread called? That's called unforgiveness. Let me pull it out. Let me get some forgiveness in there. At least get some cotton yarn or something. What's this thread here, Lord? That, that's called unfaithfulness on the job. Oh, Lord, let me replace that with some faithfulness because I could use some silk. Lord, what's rubbing me raw over here? Boy, it is chafing. What is that? That over there is called you steal the tithe. Oh, no wonder I'm raw. Yeah. Let's get those replaced with some threads of silk. But see, it's amazing. We, only, we think because we got two threads and, we're, boy, we're good. We can point them out. We're, it's right there. Well, only you know it. So the rest of us can't see it. All we see is burlap. But you know right where it's at because you're so proud of it. <laughs> Amen. Here we see great and precious promises, not one promise, but many promises. And it takes these many promises to make us partakers of the divine nature. Any Christian that focuses only one or two of these Bible promises will not be partaking of much of the divine nature. The more promises you study out and stand on by faith, the more of the divine nature you will partake of. That's why we tell you to pray and read your Bible. So God can perfect you, so you can stay current. And there's many voices in the earth, and they all want your attention. But if you'll stay in prayer and the Word, you'll recognize the voice of God. And He'll be able to help you and polish what needs to be polished. Our next part, seek correction. These are keys to being well-rounded. Well seek correction. This may be the, mo the most unliked, disliked thing in rebellious Christian Americana. Seek correction? You're crazy. I'm seeking money. Wow. I'm seeking the prophetic. Wow. I'm seeking a bitly. Wow. And I'm your favorite TVN preacher. Wow. No, you need to shut up, sit down, and seek some correction. One of my favorite Proverbs says, the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And another proverb says, but he that hates instruction shall be destroyed. He that hates instruction shall be destroyed. You've got to get so that in your heart you say, Lord, I love correction. Bring it. Lord, bring it. Lord, correct me. Lord, make me better. Lord, show me. And you can so fill your heart full of that, you don't get embarrassed when you're wrong. You don't get embarrassed when you're corrected. You don't get embarrassed when you're shown to be wrong or, or, or inaccurate. You get excited because it means, you know what? I get to be better. 
I get to be more accurate. I get to have more glory. All it is is really pride that we get embarrassed when we're wrong because you thought you were that right and now you realize you weren't and it's just pride. So you can get a heart to where you're just excited to be corrected and you start coming to church every service looking for correction. You start coming to church saying, Lord, I'm putting a demand on the word, whether it's the spirit of God or the word of God or the preaching of the word or pastor, I'm getting changed, I'm getting corrected. And you get a heart like that, God can, boy, he work with you real quick. He'll start saying, stop doing that, stop doing that, start doing this, why you do that, stop that, do this. It'll be good for you. This correction can be sought in prayer or by submitting to both natural and spiritual leadership. Don't discount natural leadership in your life. The Lord can use your natural boss to really shape and mold you. The Lord can use your pagan parents to shape and mold you just by submitting to them. If you're going to be a leader, you've got to first perfect how to follow. Sometimes what you learn is what not to do. A bulk of my experiences having traveled and served other churches was what not to do. Working with other denominations and other churches, I learned what not to do. And that was just as helpful as what to do. Because I saw what that did to fail. Don't do that. You won't fail. Look at our scripture here, Hebrews 12, 5, 6, and 8. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint without rebuke of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receives. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. He says, if you're, if you're not receiving correction, you're illegitimate. Because God's going to correct every child. He's a loving father. He's going to correct every child. Proverbs says, if you don't spank your child, you hate them. God himself said that. So if he loves you, guess what? You can expect to be spanked. Actually, Proverbs says, if you spare the rod, you, you hate the child. We say spoil. That's just Americana. Proverbs says, you spare the rod, you hate the child. 23rd Psalm says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Did you know that the rod of correction can comfort you? Because if God is whipping you with that rod, you know he, daddy's got his hand on you. And even if you're getting spanked for being rebellious and dumb and stubborn, he's got one hand on one shoulder and the rod on the other wearing you out. And at least he's got his hand on you. Sometimes that's the best hand to have. We want the, you know, the prophetic hand. We want the hand of prophecy. We want the hand of a prayer line. Honestly, most of what we need is just a good spanking. It's amazing, though, you, you don't build, build conventions full of people for correcting conventions. You fill them for prophecy conventions because everybody wants a word, wow, from God. No, what you need is a whipping. That'll do you more good. Proverbs never said prophecy will save you from hell. It says the rod of correction will save you from hell. Amen. That's good teaching right there. I like that. So if you're not being corrected, the Bible calls you a bastard, illegitimate, not a dirty word, illegitimate. There's been seasons, and I've testified to this in my life, where I go through seasons of correction and there's a constant weight on me. Do better. Stop this. Start this. And then when that season's gone, that pressure lifts off of me and I feel naked. I feel abandoned. And I say, Lord, are we okay? Are we okay, Lord? I put that back on me. I, at least I got used to it. I was comfortable always being corrected. So that when I'm not being corrected, it's kind of a scary, lonely place because he takes his hand off of you because he's done whipping you. I said, Lord, if you ever got to get whipped, put your hand on me again, just so I can be right with you. But see, unfortunately, carnal Christians don't want to be touched for anything unless it's to be petted or, you know, blessed. 
you got to want to be spanked as well as hugged. And as, as we know, you spank the child, then they get a hug. But if all you ever do is hug a child, you'll ruin them. And if all Jesus ever does is hug on you, he'll make you a loser. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. You'll be some weird emotional fruitcake. Amen. Correction keeps you current. This may be the best way to stay current with God. It's by seeking correction. Nearly every Christian wants to hear from God. It has been my experience that the quickest way to do this is to ask the Lord to show you where you are wrong. Pray for correction. See, Word of Faith never taught us to seek God for correction. They never taught us to use our faith to get better. They taught us to use our faith to get stuff. Now, they were adding to We knew to seek God for correction, but we, they added to it and thank God for it. But in adding to it, we forgot the old. And we can't afford to forget the old. We lay a foundation. We don't build a foundation, build a house on it, then sweep the foundation away. Now, what we've emphasized for the last 20 years is using our faith to get things and stuff and women and men and jewelry and cars and houses and Rolls Royces and jet airplanes and $1,000 suits and $5,000 shoes, purses and vacations and summer homes and winter cottages and ski vacations and mistresses and I'm a TBN preacher. And we forgot to use faith to get better as a Christian and to receive correction. You can use your faith to get corrected and that'll build your faith because you'll say, Lord, show me where I'm wrong. And he'll answer you before you get home. You're like, whoa, this prayer thing works quick. And it'll build your faith because you know you do hear from God. And he does answer your prayers. And it can actually be a very encouraging thing. This kind of prayer is also called self-judgment. This is the quickest way to hear from heaven, a great way to stay current with the Holy Spirit, and a great way to get further rounded as a Christian. Furthermore, God expects us to judge and examine ourselves, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight and 31. But let a man examine, test, prove, and scrutinize himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Do not despise the chastisement of the Lord. Rather, embrace it, seek it, crave it. It is good for you. It will keep you current with God. If God is able to correct you on a regular basis, He will correct you right back into His will and keep you in the move of His Spirit. That's what you need to know about correction. It keeps you in the will of God. The heart that was behind asking me to write this curriculum was, how do I stay in the will of God? How do I stay current with what God is doing? Real easy. Stay current with God on a daily basis. And if you seek the correction of God, He'll just correct you right back into what He's doing. Because He wants you in His will more than you want in His will. And if all you do is say, Lord, just show me where I'm wrong. Show me what to do for you. Lord, show me how to serve you. He'll just correct you right back into it and you'll be current with the Spirit of God. Furthermore, if you heard from God, you heard current. Even if He said, stop combing your hair that way, you're current with God. Apparently, he doesn't like hair like this anymore. Stop wearing those shoes. Oh, yes, Lord. Now, he's not going to say something like that. Not unless you're just rebellious with your hair, rebellious with your shoes. But you say, Lord, show me where I'm wrong. Show me where my heart's wrong. Show me where my attitude's wrong. He'll show you. And you'll automatically be current with God for that day. But you have to get up and do it again tomorrow just to stay current. Go to church. That's a good way to stay current. You must remember that God moves in an, orderly and fashion, in an orderly fashion and through His chain of command. His preachers are His top commanders. The local church is the main place His commanders preach and minister. 
Look at Amos 3, 7, very famous passage of Scripture. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He reveals His secret unto His servants, the prophets. So what that says, and that's actually talk, you see examples of that with Abraham and Noah. He told Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. Then he did it. He told Abraham, I'll make you a father of many nations. Then he did it. Then he told Jeremiah about what's to come. He told Jeremiah they'll be in captivity for 70 years, and then they were. And now, in this day and age, he speaks to his ministers, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, about what he's going to do in the earth. And our job is to perfect you and to prepare you for what's at hand. And that's why you need a local pastor, because a local pastor doesn't have the fame and glory of TBN. He just wants you to make it on a day-to-day -day basis. He's going to be way more current than anybody you see on television. I promise you that the local pastor is way more current than anybody on TBN because TBN preachers hear from TBN and local pastors hear from God because we don't have TBN to put us, we don't have to schmooze or politicize or politic to get our program on the air. We have somebody to preach to. We don't have to pimp ourselves out to, to soothe some kind of ego trip we're on. But the Lord does nothing, but he first speaks it to his men and women of God. God always speaks to his leaders first. And then if God's people will hearken unto the leaders, they will be blessed and protected. God spoke to Noah about a flood. Noah's family listened and were saved. God spoke to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction. Abraham interceded and spared the obedient portion of Lot's family. God spoke to Moses about delivering Israel from Pharaoh. Israel listened and obeyed and was delivered. God spoke to Jonah about Nineveh's impending judgment. Nineveh listened to Jonah and was spared. God spoke to, spoke to Paul about the dangers on the, of the ship he was on. The captain, the sailors, and the soldiers listened to him, and they were saved. You see, God speaking to the, the, the local leaders, spiritual leaders, and when the people listened, they got in on it, and they were preserved. They were spared. Now, in the church age, God will speak to his servants, the preaching ministers. The minister is given to, the keep, uh, to, is given to keep the body of Christ current with God. Acts 2.42 talking about the saints, they continued, the early church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. Now, you know this early church was current with what God was doing. But notice the first thing it says is they continued in the apostles' doctrine. Where did you have to go to get the apostolic doctrine? The local church. You had to go to church. You had to hang out with the apostles. Did you get it in the synagogues? No. Did you get it with the Pharisees? No. Did you get it in the weird cult uh, convention? No. Did you get it with those emphasizing the prophetic movement? No. You got it by hanging out in the local church with Peter and the others. The early church fellowshiped around the local church, and in doing so, they were able to stay current with the new doctrine that was being established by the apostles. We might add the foundational apostles. Apostles nowadays do not establish doctrine. Those outside this fellowship would have had a different kind of doctrine or an out-of-date doctrine at best. Those outside the church would have not been current with what Jesus Christ was doing. Acts 11, 27, 28. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem into Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. This would have been one church service not to skip. Because if you skip this church service, you wouldn't have heard what the Spirit of God was preparing the church for, which was a great famine. Notice that they couldn't use their faith to stop it. 
it was going to happen and there was nothing they could do about it but get ready. Just like Joseph said, there's a great famine coming, Pharaoh, and you can't stop it. All you can do is prepare for it. And so what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches now is great destruction and calamity is coming on planet Earth and there's nothing your faith can do to stop it. All you can do is prepare your family, prepare yourself and be right with God and walk with Him. One of the things I believe, I'll just tell you what I think the Spirit of the Lord is saying right now on the earth. I, what we're seeing, I believe with all my heart, is we're, we're seeing, well, it's what Romans calls yearnings and groanings and the earth is stressing. And it's like a month or two ago, we saw a great stress in the Spirit with all these wars bursting out in the Middle East. And now, did you notice we've all kind of calmed back down now? But all those wars are still going on. They're still killing people every day. And it's like, oh my gosh. And then we're back to comfortable again. And you give it time, whether it's months or a year, there'll be another great stress in the spirit, more calamity, more destruction, more rebellion, and then we'll be back to normal. But this thing's getting wound tighter and tighter and tighter, and it's going to snap. And I don't know if that snap will be the rapture of the church or what, but this thing will snap. You can only stress something so many times before it breaks. You can stress it and back off and stress it and back, back off and stress it. And one of these times you're going to stress it and it'll snap. We'll see that with the spirit of rebellion in the earth. This is not a time God is emphasizing money or healing. He's emphasizing you get right with him and you walk with him and you stay current with him because if you don't, you'll be taken in your sin and the rest of us will go on with Jesus. This minister spoke by the spirit of God to, the, to, to get the church ready for a coming famine and to keep the church current with God. Those that missed that service may not have been prepared when the dearth or the famine hit church kept those early saints current and it will keep you current today so how do we stay current with the holy spirit in short pray read your bible and go to church simple enough <laughs> love you guys we'll be ready for regular service in 12 minutes